Good evening. When I was a little boy, I used to rise up and build every Saturday around 6 a.m. I loved Legos, and that was the first thing on my mind. My parents would always say that I would never sleep in no matter what. Now, I definitely do not have that problem. <laughs> Building Legos was my favorite thing to do. In particular, I loved to build Star Wars ships. I used the directions and followed it to a T. It would look just like the picture. If I did it my way and didn't use the directions, there would be extra pieces and it would not look like exactly like it was supposed to. Sometimes the ship wouldn't function like it was intended to. The Bible gives us specific directions as to how we are to live our life and how to worship through his holy words in the Bible. Sometimes we don't look like God intended us to. When I say that, I mean that we don't behave and act like God intended. When he created us, he wanted us in his image, but sometimes we just don't live up to that. We may be lacking in some area of our life because we didn't follow him like we should. If we will follow this guidebook the best that we can, we will look like God wants us to, just like that Lego creation was supposed to look. We have a choice. We can follow God's guidebook or not. If we don't, there will be severe consequences, not only eternal ones, but earthly ones that are not fun to go through. If we, follow, if we do follow his words, life is better for us and we reap the benefits of that special home in heaven. We can see from the books of Ezra and Nehemiah that people would be faithful to God, turn away from him, and then come back to him. This was a pattern all through the Old Testament. In Ezra, 70 years after the temple was destroyed, God commands the people to rebuild. There were enemies who tried to stop the work of building the temple. Their plan worked, and for 14 years the building of the temple ceased. Then after this time, the building of the temple continued and was eventually finished. Ezra 7.10 states, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra 9.6 states, And I said, O oh my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. The people had turned away from God, and Ezra was ashamed, but the people eventually came back to God. Nehemiah asked the king for permission to rebuild the wall around the temple, and he was given permission. The people who were left in the city were asked by Nehemiah to help rebuild the wall. The people were discouraged because there were those who tried to stop them from building the wall. The wall was built in 52 days, and the people knew God had a hand in it because it was finished so quickly. In Nehemiah 13.31, Nehemiah says, Just remember me, O my God, for good. The theme of Ezra and Nehemiah is rebuilding what has been torn down, restoring what sin has destroyed, repenting of sins, and returning back to God. Doesn't this sound familiar from what we have learned in the Bible and also in today's world? In the world we live in today, it is important for us to rise up and build. Can you believe some of the things that are going on? We can't turn on the TV without hearing about gay rights, transgender issues, or now drag queens reading to our kids in schools and performing for people in our local towns. God never intended us to, for us to remain quiet. God is a God of action and he expects us to speak where he has spoken and act where we need to. 
We can rise up and build in several facets of our life. How about with our families? We can rise up and build families who pray together, study together, and spend time together. We can strengthen our schools to include God again by allowing prayer and allowing the Bible to make an entrance in its doors once again. Rise up and build means to talk about God in our communities by evangelizing, telling others the good news about Jesus, and particularly what he has done in our own lives. We can strengthen our churches by teaching all ages about God and growing souls by inviting people to church and sharing the good news. We may not be able to reach everyone in our country, but we can make an impact on our community. First, rising up and building starts with you and it starts with me. Nehemiah 4.14 says, I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. We have to fight for our families and our communities. We have to fight for God. We can no longer sit idle waiting for someone else to do the work. Will you rise up and build with me? Let's offer up a prayer. Heavenly Father, what a joy and a blessing it is to look to the future, to the growth that this church is experiencing, and the excitement that is being generated to move forward and do more good things for your kingdom. We ask you, Father, to to keep us focused, keep us focused on our mission. Our mission is simple. We're trying to seek and save those who are lost. We're trying to preach and to teach those who come to love you. Father, we ask you to keep us focused in the days, the weeks, and the months ahead. There'll be a lot of things happening, a lot of things that are they're not familiar, we are not familiar with. There's a lot of excitement. As we build this new building, Lord, help us to understand that it is a building. It is not a monument. It's not about bricks and mortar, but about increasing our ability to spread the borders of your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to stay focused that this new building will be nothing more than a tool that we will use to help serve you. Help us to stay focused, Lord, on the good and positive things. Building in and of itself can be frustrating, and it's easy to lose our focus. But help us to stay the, the, the path, Lord. Focus on the end goal. At the end of this process, we'll have a place that we can worship you, a place where we can grow spiritually and numerically. Lord, keep us focused on looking for new opportunities to seek and save the lost, to increase our faith, to increase our knowledge of you. And Lord, we just ask you in all of this that each day that you would draw us closer to you. We lift up this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.
So as many of you know, about two weeks ago, my grandmother and one of the most important women in my life passed away. She was 90 and her organs were shutting down and what felt like in the blink of an eye, she was put in a, on an in-home hospital bed and was left immobile. The weeks leading up to this, my family, the weeks leading up to this put my family in a state of constant prayer that she would be able to leave this life of pain and head home free for eternity. Now I know that she wanted to go. Her husband's, her husband, sisters, and family were all up there waiting to join for her to join them, as well as her heavenly father. And it was still very hard to know that any day she could pass. Recently, me and my mom had a conversation where I asked her, what is God trying to teach me through this? For me, I thought he was trying to teach me that no matter what, he was still in control and will always have my best interest. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, do not worry that no matter what, through prayer, God will get us through it. Matthew 17, 12 tells us, faith like a mustard seed can move mountains. I think that all God is asking for is a mustard seed of faith, and as I see God working in my life every day, you would think that I would have seen that all I need is a, little less, is a lot less worry and a little more faith. When God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son, do you think he pondered on it for a little while and then decided to do it? No. He got him and his son and fulfilled what God had asked him. Do you think that when Nehemiah saw that the wall had been broken down, he called his best friends and asked for their input? No, he went to God in prayer because he needed God's input. Because again, God always has our best interest, and his plans are beyond anything that we can imagine. In Nehemiah 1.4, we can see that Nehemiah fasted and prayed and then wept. And then we see that God puts all the pieces together for Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem and inspect the wall safely. Then God gathered the people he needed to help him build the wall so that God's people could return to and fulfill the life that God had planned for them. Now, a few weeks ago, or uh, I guess at the beginning of this year now, uh, I joined a club with a creative decision-making team, and at the beginning of that, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, to get anything done, though, you have to delegate. And just like Nehemiah 3.29 says, Shechaniah and Hanan had different roles to get the wall built. Now, when all this started with my grandmother, God put just the right people in our lives. These people helped us build a wall of round-the-clock care for my granny, and they each had different things that they were better at, which helped to ensure that all of her needs were met. Just like the different parts of the wall were cared for to ensure that it was finished. For me, I see that God only needs you to trust him so that he can fulfill a greater life for you than you have what's planned for yourself. We see that when we try to plan out our lives, we end up in the belly of a great fish or kicked out of our city. This has taught me that God just needs my faith to get me and my family through this tough season. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I'm in the valley, God is right here with me. And just like God was with Nehemiah building the wall back up, we see this constantly in the Bible. Through the garden of, with Adam and Eve and Jesus' crucifixion, we, knew, we know that as long as God is with us, as long as we have faith in God, he will be with us. As great as the story of Nehemiah is, and as strong as the mighty wall of Jerusalem must have been, the biggest task in our lives is to build a home in heaven. Saturday, this last Saturday was hard, and this week has been bittersweet, these last couple of weeks have been bittersweet. John 14.3 tells us, Jesus has gone home to prepare a place for you.
My granny was a true inspiration of a Christian life. Through her example, I can see that with the right help surrounding me and the tools that God gives us, we can all be successful in building our wall and making it home to here. Well done, good and faithful servant. The sex Sunday is, of course, the equipped, if you hadn't heard about it just yet. But the following Sunday will be our, our next fifth Sunday. And on that Sunday, um, all the contribution um, that will be given on that day will go uh, to the new building project. So with that in mind, let's uh, bow for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Father in heaven, as we look around and we see the growth here, and we also see the limitations of this building. We feel the obligation to grow because we know a congregation that is not growing is shrinking. And a congregation that is shrinking is dying. And dear Father, we want to continue to grow. We want to continue to see your word impacted in this in this community. But dear Father, we know that in order to for those things to take place and for this building to be built, <clears throat> that it takes funds. And dear Father, uh, we're so thankful for several things. First of all, we're thankful that we have a more affordable option at this time that um, basically cuts uh, the cost in half of what was previous looked at. And at one time <clears throat> when we thought this project could not happen. Uh, dear Father, we're thankful that uh, you help guide things where there is a way. Dear Father, we're also very thankful of the generosity of this congregation. We see it time and time again, every time that there's a need, that the men and women of this congregation step up, whether it's a tornado relief or, or helping individuals that need help, whether it's serving one another or whether it, it is a building. Dear Father, I'm thankful uh, for the generosity of this congregation. And dear Father, just as Luke challenged us just a few minutes ago, Luke said that it must begin with you and me. And dear Father, we ask that every man and woman of this congregation would take Luke's challenge and that we would step up and do what we can. Dear Father, we know that in the story of the widow with the two mites that it's not the amount that is important, but it's our hearts. And dear Father, we just pray that you would give us uh, the right hearts. Dear Father, as Eli just challenged us, we must have the faith of a mustard seed. And dear Father, help us to have that faith. Help us to have that faith that we can make a difference in this. Help us to have the faith that, yes, we can sacrifice and we can do our part. And dear Father, help us to have that faith that collectively we can accomplish this. And dear Father, just as Neil challenged us this morning, we pray that you get involved in this project for we know with your help, all things are possible. With your help, 
this project is possible. And dear Father, we ask that you would help guide our hearts and help uh, steer our hearts that we would do our parts in, in giving toward this. Dear Father, we just pray that that would be evident here in two weeks. That would be clearly seen that you're behind uh, this project and that we're behind this project. And dear Father, help us to not give grudgingly. Help us to give cheerfully that we have um, been part of something special here. That we've been part of something that could be a tool to to help grow your kingdom here. And dear Father, we know the challenge of Bowling Green area that there's more and more people moving to this area and that's a challenge to us to spread your gospel to those that are moving into this area. And dear Father, help us to use this tool, this building as a tool that would make that possible. We pray all these things to your Son and our Savior Jesus. Amen. The story... The story is told of, <coughs> excuse me, the story is told of a company that produced parts. Workers loaded boxes with, uh, boxes with the parts and, conve- and a conveyor belt carried them to where they were then loaded onto pallets and delivered to customers all over the country. One day, a customer received a large, large order of parts only to find out that a number of the boxes were empty. He immediately called the CEO of the part company to complain. The CEO informed all of the factories in the country that this was unacceptable and sternly warned them that this should never happen again. Now the CEO instructed the quality control group to solve this problem and prevent empty boxes from being delivered ever again. The group hired countless consultants. They presented a proposal to the CEO, and by the time all was said and done, this This project would cost tens of thousands of dollars. The CEO was hesitant to spend this amount of money, so he decided to tour one of the factories identified as having a perfect track record of zero empty boxes. During the tour, he noticed a fan placed facing the assembly line where the filled boxes made their way to the pallets. The CEO asked the manager about the fan. The manager explained that the that when they heard the problem of the empty boxes, one of the workers bought the fan. The concept was simple. The fan would knock empty boxes off of the conveyor belt, assuring that only filled boxes made it to the pallets. When it comes to solving problems, there are two approaches, reflective and aggressive. Reflectives are gentle, cautious, and accommodating when solving problems. Aggressives are not afraid to make the decision necessary to move a team further. This approach is courageous and decisive. Many people in the Bible are known for the problems they face. Job, Esther, Moses, David, and Paul. All of these were able to face the problems by relying on God. Let's look at Nehemiah. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us, let us build the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let's, Let us rise and up and build. So they strengthened their hands for good work. There is a powerful message in Nehemiah 
2, 17, and 18. These verses are a call to action. With God's help, Nehemiah was successful in solving this problem. By following this example, we can make this process easier for you and me. Sitting back and waiting for someone else to solve a problem should never be an option. We should take action and work to find a solution. Nehemiah represents the aggressive style of problem solving. The first step Nehemiah took was to acknowledge the problem. My face in the mirror isn't wrinkled or drawn. My house isn't dirty and cobwebs are gone. My garden looks lovely and so does my lawn. I think I might never put my glasses back on. He didn't try to ignore the situation. This is an important lesson for us all. We can't solve problems that we refuse to acknowledge. He recognized the reality of the situation and the impact it was having on the people of Jerusalem. Jeremiah 1, 2, and 3. The remnant there in the province who suffered the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Maybe our problem is low grades in school. The the clearer we define the problem, the better our solution. Secondly, Nehemiah knew his endeavor would not happen without prayer. Nehemiah 1 and 4. He sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of he- in heaven. And then we see from Nehemiah 2 and on, we can study how Nehemiah didn't try to do everything alone. He knew that he needed he- the help and support of others to achieve his goal. He inspired the people of Jerusalem to rise up and join him in rebuilding their city, even though he was ridiculed and threatened. Nehemiah organized the workers and set up guards to defend against the constant threat of those who opposed their efforts. His determination encouraged the people to finish the repairs in record speed. God used Nehemiah to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. This is a lesson we can all take to heart. Inevitably, we will all face obstacles and setbacks in life, but we can choose to let them defeat us, or we can choose to rise up and keep going. The story of Nehemiah teaches us that we can all rise up and build. We can acknowledge our problems, rally the people around us, make a plan, and persevere through obstacles. When we do these things, we can rebuild what has been destroyed, and we can make our world a better place. So let's take inspiration from Nehemiah, and let's rise up and build together. Before we pray, I would like to remind everyone of the four points of Neil's lesson this morning. Nothing is impossible with God. God will do more than you ask or can imagine with his surpassing love, riches, and power. With God, whatever it is, it is going to be good, and God will be with us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you at this time to acknowledge our complete dependence upon you our dependence on the air we breathe, the water we drink, the natural world that we live in that you created, our dependence on you that when this life is over, you through your Son have provided a way for us to live in heaven with you forever. We Think of the words in Psalms, He watching over Israel slumbers not nor sleeps. We know that 
you are concerned with everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think. But we know that with the Christian walk and the Christian life, we have a relationship with you that acknowledges dependence in a good and loving and fruitful way. But what about those in our community that are lost? They are depending on us to be your hands and feet and to speak wisely and lovingly to them so that they can share in what we already share in. Help us to be bold in that evangelistic effort. Help us to love them so that they can one day be called Christian. We have so many things to be thankful for that we have attempted to do in the past years, whether it was Big Reedy Camp or FCA or hiring preachers, having a greater presence in this community, having a presence on television, buying the land, and now with this building project, with each one of these, what we had desired to do, you blessed. But we acknowledge our dependence on you because without you they wouldn't have happened. And without you, not only would our expectations have been met, but with you, our expectations and our dreams and our goals were far exceeded. And we thank you for that. So we begin this project to build a new building so that we might fill it with people who today are lost, but tomorrow will be saved. And we know that that is a desire that you have for this community, not so that we can have a pretty building to be seen at the interstate, but because we want your light to shine in this world. And as has been said, so that it can be a a tool to glorify you and to reach those that are lost. Please help us not to treat your church as something that is static, something that is a club, something that is for just those people that are like ourselves. But help us to treat the church as you've commanded that we would go into the whole world, that we would preach the gospel to every creature, and that we would love those in our community that are lost, and that we would be bold in doing so. We ask your blessings upon all that we do in the coming months and years. 
please help us to live as you would have us to and help this church to be what you would have it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would please stand for the scripture reading. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which has been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he has spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. You may be seated. I was excited when the theme was suggested or, or was shared with regard to Lads the Leaders, that it was on Ezra and Nehemiah, and I was glad when that was the theme of what was going to be said tonight, let us rise and build, because Nehemiah is without a doubt my favorite book of the Old Testament. And not too many years ago, I wrote a series of sermons from the book of Nehemiah, three of them. The first was the objective And the objective is very simple, isn't it? As you look at this book, Nehemiah had the job of getting the people to rise up and build. And this project, as massive as it was, was accomplished in 52 days. And that's because of some of the other things that we see. But they had a clear objective. They knew what it was that they needed to do, and they did it. But then we also see that any time there's opportunity, there's also going to be obstacles. And so you see them all over the place in the book of Nehemiah. There are those enemies, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, that tried to get Nehemiah to go down to the plains of Ono, where he could overthrow the work. There was discouragement. The people were frustrated. There was favoritism. There were people who weren't involved in the task. But for every obstacle, there was a solution. I think about when the Samaritans frustrated the building of the temple, and Haggai comes along and he stirs up the people and they see that the obstacles are not as great as the omnipotent and the omniscient and the omnipresent God. And so they did it. I also preached a sermon on oversight, a sermon that maybe Hiram would be proud of. There's 14 points in that sermon. I'm not going to share any of those points. But the leadership aspect was so important. And I want you to reflect for just a second on the leadership that's been demonstrated tonight. The leadership of three men, young men, with such great promise and with such powerful lessons that they shared with us from the all-powerful Word of God. They motivated us with the power of God's Word to think about the potential that lies in the objective that we've been given and the overcoming that we have with every obstacle and the oversight that God gives us. And you can't miss the oversight that we have seen from our shepherds, our elders. These are men to a man that love this church. These are men who have dared boldly. You know what they're suggesting is, is that we're not trying to just do the things that we think that we can see and we can do. But they're challenging us to rise up and build in a, in a literal sense, but also in a figurative sense. What does it take? What does it take to succeed? I mean, you just look at the surface of Nehemiah and you see three things right off the bat. That first of all, the emotions have got to be involved. 
Do you see when Hananiah and the brethren come to give a report to Nehemiah about what's taking place back in his homeland? When Nehemiah hears these words, he sits down and he weeps and he mourns for several days. And from that point to the end of the book of Nehemiah, you see all of the emotion that he displays. Fear in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 2. Indignation at both the enemies and sometimes even at the people of God because they weren't acting as they should. He was a man whose emotions were involved. He was also a man whose prayers were involved. Nine times in the book of Nehemiah with its 13 chapters, we see it's 14, we see Nehemiah kneeling in prayer. He's praying for forgiveness of sins. He's praying constantly for God's help. He knew that if the wall was going to be built, that prayer had to be involved. We also see that resolve had to be involved. It was there in the verses that Smith just read to us from Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18. The people had a mind to work. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. Not just with regard to what has been shared with us tonight, but in a more general sense. With regard to spiritual success, as well as success in any objective that we're led to do, our emotion has to be involved. We are not going to do this or anything if we're lethargic and apathetic and disengaged. Our emotions have to be involved. A variety of those that honor God and that show Him that our heart is involved. You know, the Bible tells us that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, Romans 10 and verse 9. And you obey from the heart that form of teaching that's delivered unto you, Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. If we're going to please God, if we're going to build individually or collectively, the heart has to be involved. And prayer has to be involved. Each one of our shepherds has led us in prayer tonight. We were also led at the beginning of services in prayer. We'll be led again. We have these emphases on prayer once a month. And in our individual lives, let us be dedicated to faithful prayer each and every day. Prayer is not how we achieve salvation. You see Saul on the road to Damascus who encounters Christ. He does spend three days in prayer while he's waiting to hear the answer. But prayer is so much a part of what we we need if we're going to spiritually succeed and rise up and build. When we think about the fact that as children of God, sometimes we need to pray for one another that we may be healed. James chapter 5 and verse 16. And then the resolve has got to be involved. There are going to be times when in this project that we're being told about tonight where it's going to be easy and things are going to be great and all the things that we've prayed about, there's going to be unity, there's going to be focus, there's going to be a sense of dependency on God. And you know, frankly, what's going to happen over the course of time, we're going to lose sight of that. And sometimes we're going to let little things get in our way and we'll see that instead of the bigger picture. May God help us to be resolved to let nothing stand between us and glorifying God. And the same is true in our individual lives. There are mountaintop days and there are times when we are challenged and we lose sight of the goal. We have got to keep our resolve engaged. We've got to keep our resolve engaged to faithfully end the race that we're in. Paul said he did that, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7. And he encourages us that if we do that, that God has promised a crown of righteousness to all them who love his coming and his appearing. Tonight we extend the invitation It may be that you find yourself as one who needs to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've found yourself distracted. The obstacles have kept you from seeing the goal. Maybe you want to respond to God's grace and the invitation that's always open. Your heart being involved 
obeying from the heart His Word. If, as a child of God, you need us to pray for you, we'd love to do that. If you need to make the decision to become a child of God, all heaven would rejoice and have the resolve that's involved to faithfully endure. The invitation is extended to you. If you're subject to it, won't you come right now as we stand and sing?